What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back on Volcanic Takes. It's Friday, so that means we are talking all things Tennessee on this beautiful day in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're all here. Ryan Shumpert of the University of Tennessee, Knoxville Daily Beacon, is here. Ryan, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. It's been an uh, exciting week in Knoxville. A big win for the Lady Vols last night. Um, but a lot going on. Excited to uh, dive into everything. Was that last night? Everything's blending together. I was doing a lot of different writing stuff last night, and I I think the the big win, I, I don't know, everything blends together. Tennessee's game, because Tennessee was supposed to play Tuesday, and they played Wednesday, and now the Vols baseball starts tonight, and like it's it's all blending together. I don't know what, what day is what and when whoever is playing who. Do you, do you do a good job of keeping track of everything, Ryan? For the most part, yes, but this week with all the – I mean, it's had more postponements this week. Game time has changed. I guess just due to all the bad weather. Obviously, with the basketball, it was the COVID nineteen false positive test. But uh, this week, I have been I've been struggling. It's been more game time changes than than I've seen since the since all the COVID stuffs happened. Also here, David Sheely of WBIR and Georgia State alum, my Atlanta friend, David. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? Good. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Uh, what? Uh, anything new at WBR? BIR? Uh, no, <laughs> not, <laughs> not necessarily. Um, but just kind of, you know, Ryan mentioned that that Lady Vols game. I was I was at that Lady Vols game last night, and it was probably the second most. I think it is the second most entertaining game I have been to. I mean, it was kind of it was dragging a little bit in in that second quarter, but. I mean, once Tennessee kind of got going in the second half, it was like, okay, this this might actually happen. So um, that was really cool to, to see Tennessee uh, snap that SEC game winning streak of, of South Carolina. Yeah, it was big. Um, it seems like she's going to be the the right coach going forward, right? Is the, there any any doubt at all that she uh, she's the right coach at this point? No, I, honestly, I mean, she was kind of handpicked by Pat Summit because Pat. So when, when Kelly was playing here, Pat pulled her to the side and said, you know, I think one day you're going to come back and coach. Huh. And Kelly was like, well, that – Kelly was like, nah, I don't believe that because you're Pat Summit and this is your job forever. You know, like Pat Summit was going to be like the coach that just was always the coach. Um, and now you fast forward to the future, Kelly's the head coach of Tennessee. And um, honestly, had somebody asked Pat, who do you think could take over as head coach in the future? Well, she had already made that decision back in the nineties and said it was going to be Kelly, Har- Kelly Harper. So, um, so I, I think honestly, this, this, this is the right coach. It was a home run hire. And as you can see, 
Tennessee is starting to return to the Lady Vols that we know because that was true Lady Vols basketball last night. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm always kind of a, a wait and see on all these coaching hires and, you know, year one, pretty good, did some good things, didn't blow you away. But this year I've been I've been really impressed with what they've been able to do all year. I thought they were really close to getting that big-time win last month against UConn. They were right in that game till the last two or three minutes and kind of let it slip away. But they've been really, really solid this year. I think have made now four or five wins over top 25 teams, obviously getting a win over – what South Carolina has become in the SEC and, and really nationally in college basketball is just uh, it's pretty impressive. It's pretty pretty crazy for Tennessee to beat South Carolina in women's basketball for it to be this big of a deal. But, I mean, it really is. I don't think you can undersell just how big of a win it was for Kelly Harper and her team and her program. Yeah, I mean, it was a good week for Tennessee basketball as a whole. Let's just start there this week. Um, a, lot of, a lot of Tennessee uh, football that we can still get to. But, um Tennessee basketball, um, they beat South Carolina um, this week. Uh, also, have you guys figured out that uh, that's Frank Martin on the sidelines this season? Is that not insane? Like how different he looks with a shaved head. It the, it just it freaks me out every time that I'm just like, wait, who who is that? Do they have an interim coach this year? Like, what is happening? Did Frank Martin opt out? And he said he lost his hair because of COVID. Like I was reading up on this, I went down a rabbit hole of like, because I'm I'm like I don't feel like I, I i just didn't think i remember him losing his hair over the last couple of years and then going back there you're like he said he lost it but he said if it comes back he'll grow it back out it's a wild story um ryan what do you what do you make of fulkerson being back this week yeah i mean that's that's the john fulkerson they've been looking for the past few weeks you know rick barnes has said he's kind of got to get with what we're doing we're not just going to throw the ball down low to him and run our offense through him which is kind of how they tried to spark him for a while. And, I mean, Wednesday you saw exactly that. Fulkerson was running the floor really well. He was getting offensive rebounds, second-chance points. He was getting to the free-throw line the way he was able to do last year, which was very key for his offensive efficiency a season ago, and he hasn't been able to do it really at all this season. So I think it's a great sign. Obviously, consistency is the thing. But what he did Wednesday is exactly what they're looking at at him. And it's not going to you know, be 19 points a night, but – just getting him back to being a guy that can rely to get in double digits, 10, 12 points. And that's how I think he can do that without them having to run a whole lot of offense through him. David, what do you think? Yeah, well, uh, we were kind of talking about it on Twitter. I'm not going to pretend that I was watching the game against mm-hmm. South Carolina. I was watching Naomi Osaka versus Serena Williams because there was just greatness uh, on the tennis court there. But, um, you know, Folky. Folky has been challenged by Rick Barnes since he's really been kind of like the guy, um, I guess so since last year. And uh, I think – I forget. I, I actually counted how many games in a row he had started. I think it was like 30-plus games, obviously. But, you know, him him having to sit the bench last week to start the game was like, okay, like Barnes is trying everything to wake this guy up. Um, and, and I tell you what, 19 points, that, that's pretty good for Folky in terms of this season. But we know he can do more. That's, that's the thing. Like, like last year, it was like, who's going to stop John Fulkerson? And this year, it's when is John Fulkerson going to get out of his own way? Um, so to, to see him score 19 points um, is, is good. But also, Victor Bailey kind of coming back in the form, scoring 29, because he, he started the year off 
lead the team in scoring, and then he fell off, and um, he kind of came back. So um, that that was good to see. You know, Barnes said they can't rely on the freshmen too much, uh, but I think that, you know, if your freshmen are doing their thing and then you mix in the fact that you're going to have, you know, your veterans um, returning to form, this team is very dangerous. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just in wait-and-see mode. I it's so tempting to overreact to um, a great John Fulgerson game or a great Springer and Keon game or a great Victor Bailey game. Um, it just, I want to see more consistency before I'm just like, okay, they're back. But like I saw something on Rocky Top Insider this week about like, oh, Fulkerson shows that he still has enough to lead this team on a deep uh, tournament run. And I'm just like, I I mean, are we sure about that? This is we. I, I don't know. I, I'm still just not even close to being there because I think Barnes is still tinkering with this lineup, and he's still not sure what his best five is. Like I, I think we're now February nineteenth, and Barnes still doesn't know the right five that he should go with for the majority of the game. What do you think, David? Yeah, I think that's a very good point. Um, you know, he and, and the lineup. The lineup has consistently changed this year. This is this has been one of those really fluid years where this lineup has just it has not been set where you know who's starting, you know? Um and I think part of that is is kind of what you just said. He doesn't really know who the set five are. Um but maybe that I mean maybe just kind of put a positive twist on it. Maybe that's not the worst thing in the world because you know that you have Basically, uh, let's see, Santiago didn't start the other night. Um, you had, uh, well, when you look at the starters, everybody who usually should start did start, um, except for Santiago. So when you look at it, there's about six, arguably seven, seven guys who can start for you potentially, and Barnes can kind of play with that. And then you've got two guys coming off the bench, one or two guys coming off the bench that are that, that could definitely start for a lot of programs, possibly in the SEC. So maybe that's not the worst thing. You know, I, I just I, I feel like having depth is, the, is what makes teams go further in the tournament than other teams who just have a really good starting five. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, David makes a great point about this is the first team, and I guess since that 2018 team that really has had any change in the starting lineup consistently throughout the year. I think it's just, you know, I think it's more of a product of the inconsistency from, you know, they have seven guys that, like David's saying, that could be starters, and they just don't really have a whole lot of consistency from them. So Barnes is mixing it up, trying to find out what his best option is, and you talked about, or Chase, you talked about trying to find his best five, and I think it's maybe a little bit less of that just because they're going to have to play all those guys so much. And Barnes is very much a game by game. Let's fill it out. Who's playing well. And then let's roll with that. But that him doing that puts some pressure on him to be locked in there every game and making the right decisions and pushing the right buttons. And it's certainly a lot easier when you have five or maybe even just six guys, you know, we're going to roll with some semblance of, of these six, like they did in, the Admiral and Grant year where they'd have Kyle come come in and then go small with Grant and Admiral in the front court. It's easier to do that, and especially for the coach because rotations it's, makes it a lot more simple. But there just hasn't been that consistency from enough players on this team to 
submit their submit themselves and force Barnes to keep them in the lineup. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, in terms of the football team, Tim Banks, we uh, that news broke not long after um, we recorded Friday, a couple of days later. But uh, he was the co DC at Penn State. Um, already talking to some corners from uh, I think Riverwood, <laughs> so that looks good. He's he recruiting the same kind of guys that uh, Tennessee was looking at previously. Um, never called plays before on the defensive side of the football, so that should be interesting to see. Um, your first thoughts when you saw that Tim Banks sticking to the Danny White plan of like you think you know where we're going, you think Casey Rogers, we're going Tim Banks. Uh, Ryan, what do you what do you make of the hire now that you've had several days to kind of think about it and see the rest of the staff? Yeah, I think considering the amount of guys that turned him down, I think Tim Banks is a is a really strong option, and he was a guy that I think they had talked to earlier in the process, and there wasn't a ton of interest there, and then they kind of came back and threw the kitchen sink at him, proverbially. $1.3 million his first year, should be $1.5 million by his last. He's, he's got a lot of things that stand out and you like. He's a good recruiter. He's been a co-defense coordinator or a defense coordinator at a lot of different stops. Obviously, wasn't like you said, wasn't calling the plays at Penn State which is a question mark. One thing that I wonder about is his reputation is really as a great recruiter, but a lot of that with all his ties in the Big Ten, a lot of ties to the city of Detroit where he's recruited really, really well for Penn State, and Michigan's tried to pluck him away from Penn State, basically that being one of the main reasons is how well he's recruited Detroit. So he certainly brings a lot to the table that you like, but I think just between the fact that he hasn't called plays, plays before or any time recently, no recruiting ties in the Southeast. There's certainly still a lot of question marks around them too. Absolutely. Absolutely. What do you think, David? Yep. Got what, what Ryan was just saying was right on point. This is a guy who's been on the defensive side of the ball, his entire coaching career, except for one year in 1999, where he was coaching the running backs at Bowling Green. But when you take a look at his defensive coordinator stints, um, his previous one coming from Penn State was not calling the defensive plays. If you're going to get a guy to come in and call your defensive plays in the SEC, it needs to be somebody who has called defensive plays in the SEC with success. The reason being is we've seen college football kind of turn into, okay, it's not so much defenses are going to win you championships. It's going to be an offense that has so many weapons that is just impossible to keep up. Teams are scoring 40 points a game, 30 points a game. You know, we saw Alabama drop 50 burgers like it was nothing. You, you've got to be able to come with it. And that, that's going to be the concern. I, I honestly, as, as, I'm looking at, as I'm looking at the staff and everything else as a whole, I really do believe that, you know, and I'm a fan of, of Heifel's offensive scheme. Um, and I'm sure that they can, they can score some points. But you've got to be able to keep up in the SEC. These, these SEC games, if they're, not, if they're not like some of those, like, okay, it's kind of going real slow, they usually, they're usually shootouts. They're usually these barn burners. Um, and I, I just – you've got to have somebody who can, like, actually call some plays in the SEC. It's not to say that the offenses are complicated – but this is it's all about beating Bama, Georgia, Florida. Um, 
and those are teams who we all saw they can they can score and they can really score at will. So that's that's the biggest question mark to me. And of course, we all have to just kind of wait and see. But you know, great recruiter, sure, fine. You know, they Tennessee had great recruits the past couple of years. It's about what they actually do. Do the coaches know how to coach them once the players get there? You know, do they know how to put them in position to have success on the field? That's that's what this is going to come down to. Not necessarily the names they bring in. Yeah. Well, one name they will not be bringing in is Dylan Brooks, who uh, was released from his letter of intent today. Um, Cody Brown, from my old high school back at Parkview, also released from his letter of intent. Saw that coming based on conversations I had with uh, his coach back at uh, Parkview a couple weeks ago. But, um, yeah, I... None of these are surprises, but I I wonder how much of this could have been avoided had Tennessee gotten the notice of like what the infractions are going to be and what the sanctions are going to be. And that is something that I think is going to continue to be a dark cloud over recruiting until um, that comes out, like until we know for certain um, what is happening. The Dylan Brooks and the Cody Browns of the world are not committing to this program when they don't well a they didn't commit to this coaching staff but b don't know if they're even going to be allowed to play in a bowl game over the next few years compete for an sec east title like there are real questions about that until those are answered i understand why these guys especially the four and five stars have no interest in signing up for that david what do you think i agree you you've got to you know know exactly what you're going into if, I, if, I, if i'm 17 18 years old I need to know exactly what situation I'm stepping into, right? Um, am I going to get a chance to play? Am I going to get a chance to compete for conference titles? Am I going to get a chance to compete for a national championship? And if you're sitting there wondering, well, I don't even know if Tennessee is going to have that many scholarships on hand. I don't know if there's going to be a postseason ban. I don't know if there's going to be, you know, if I don't know what I'm stepping into, I don't want to step into that. And if I'm a four, four-star, five-star recruit, I've got offers from schools than a better situation than Tennessee. I'm sure Alabama might have said something to me. I'm sure Florida might have said something to me. Georgia, maybe Clemson, uh, possibly Ohio State may have all reached out to this point. And, and at least there, you, you, you know what you're going to step into at Clemson. You know, you know what you're going to step into at, at Alabama. You, you, you know what you're going to step into at Georgia. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And, and I'm not – 100% certain what the delay is on what the on on the decision on, on the punishment. Um, I'm I'm not sure you know why that itself is taking so long to become official. Um, but the longer that goes, that's not good for Tennessee when it comes to trying to get names out of the transfer portal and when it comes to recruiting. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean what y'all are saying, it's it's very very difficult, and I think that's why it's really important that they come out sometime soon and put out some self-punishment, put out what the full findings of their investigation were. Now that's not going to close the deal on everything because the NCAA is still there, but then you have a message. Then Josh Heifel and his staff can go into recruits rooms and say, Hey, this is just a one year bull ban. It's not even going to affect you. It's a two year bull ban. It's going to affect you for a year. You can start doing damage control. Whereas right now when kids are asking about it, they don't really have anything they can tell them other than, you know, we wait and see essentially. Other thing I think that's hurting Tennessee in recruiting and will hurt Tennessee in recruiting is, and we kind of talked about 
I talked about it last week, the potential of them opening things up, but dead period extended through the month of May until June 1st. And I think that hurts Tennessee to have a new staff and obviously kids can't visit anywhere right now. But when you have never met these coaches face to face and I think it's a lot easier to get them on campus with other kids, especially when you look at what, how heavily Josh Heifel has talked about recruiting the state of Tennessee in this class. You have a lot of good kids. You get them on campus, kind of build that camaraderie potential of playing for your home state, seeing your potential head coach and coach in person. I just think right now it's really hard to recruit top end guys when they've been talking on zoom calls with Nick Saban or Kirby smart every day for a year. And you're just trying to hop in now in what is obviously a much, much worse situation at Tennessee than their other SEC rivals. What do, um, who, who impressed you, who impressed you the most this week in the introduction press conferences? Um, Ryan, you first, and then David. I really a lot of all of them impressed me. I'd say probably Joey Hazel, the quarterbacks coach, the most. Now he's got a little bit of a easier job out there to you know put on a good good showing and a good face. But a lot of things he was saying, I thought stood out. I think are going to look good to quarterback recruits, and you know him being a young guy, him having played for Heupel, I think makes a big difference. You know he can go in and tell these guys how he develops me, how how good of a developer he is, how good of an offensive coach he is. But overall, I thought he was he was really impressive. On I guess that was Tuesday that we talked to him. David, what about you? Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Yeah, I, I loved what I heard from Joey Halsley, and that familiarity I think is going to be huge for the development of guys like Harrison Bailey. Um, that's, that's something to be excited about. I'm just, you know, as a, as a former quarterback myself, having a, having a coach that can really develop you and, and work to your strengths is huge. Um, and Tennessee has been really hungry and desperate for some really good quarterback play. Haven't had it in a little bit. So that's, that's pretty exciting, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start dubbing this offense. I'm going to start calling it the Beyblade offense. Okay. Somebody steal that. It's, I'm calling it the Beyblade offense. Reason why is because Halsey was talking about he's going to let quarterbacks let it rip. So Beyblade let it rip. So I'm, I'm going to see what this, what this Beyblade offense is going to look like. Um, you know, it's, it's up-tempo. They run a lot of plays out of the same formations that, that, that will confuse defenses. Um, even the linemen, the linemen got to do some running. That, that, that's that's, that's going to be the, the entertaining part, man. You can't be in a high-full offense as an offensive lineman and think you're just going to be able to stand still. You got you to go to the second, third level and block. So, um, you know, that, that, that kind of that got me excited. But I also like, I also like Coach Golish. You know, coming in as offensive coordinator and tight ends coach, I think he, um, I think he kind of has like a little bit of a youthful spirit to him as well. A lot of these guys do. Um, you know, I, I'm looking at the coaching staff, and I'm, I'm the familiarity jumps out, yes, but also some of these guys are kind of they're kind of young, man. Cody Burns played with Cam Newton in college. You know, like Co- Cody Burns is not really that far removed from his playing days in the SEC. Um, and I think that helps a lot. So 
that it, it's I I like it as as a young brother. I, I'm I'm a fan of the I'm a fan of some of these some of these hires as assistants, and I would be excited to to play for them if I'm you know um, if I'm Hyatt or if I'm if I'm uh, if I'm dang I'm forgetting his name already. He's like my favorite player on the team. Um, the the quarterback. I already I already lost his name, and I said Harrison it earlier. Bailey? Um, or Harris, Caden yeah, I lost Harrison Bailey. Okay. No, no, no. It was Harrison Bailey, but also Caden Salter too. Like I, I'd be. Who got compared to Deshaun Bob, Watson Bob. this week? I don't know if y'all saw that. He got compared to Deshaun Watson. I, I did not see that. Yes. Um. I almost yeah. and I, I, I'm I'm embarrassed because I almost called I almost called Harrison Bailey Joey Harrington because <laughs> I was thinking about I was I watched a video like 30 minutes ago about uh-huh. where all the cover where all the cover athletes of NCAA video games are now, mm-hmm. and Joey Harrington was on the cover. And it was talking about how like his career was just like horrible, and I was like, his name. I was like, do not call that kid Joey Harrington. Um, interesting. <laughs> I also, it's interesting that you're still pretty high. I don't think Bailey's going to start next year. I, I'm pretty much, I'm resigned to the fact that it's going to be Hendon Hooker in a gap year, and then Salter after that. I don't. I would be surprised at this point if it's Bailey still as the guy. I would, you know, I, I want him to compete for for the spot. You know, I, yeah. I think I think the guy can. I think I think he's got a lot of um, natural talent at the quarterback position. I just I saw what he did in high school, and what he did in high school, you know, running like a pro style was incredibly impressive. It was incredibly impressive. I think he also has that 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 ability that's really hard to teach to drop balls in a bucket between defenders. You know. I think we we kind of be, I think some sometimes we can kind of become prisoners of the moment when it comes to the athleticism of a quarterback, um, but and Heupel's offense you you definitely got to be he can make it pretty easy for you, but I think it's more so than the athleticism. I think you just got you got to have some of that 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 quarterback and that football IQ to really know what the defense is doing. Because sometimes he'll give you two play calls, and it's just up to you to okay, we're going to kill to the next call based off of what I just saw here. Um, you you got to be able to do that. So I feel like for me, just Harrison Bailey should at least be able to compete for that spot. And um, you know, I mean, he was brought in with the mindset that it was it was going to be you know his 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 time once Garantano was done. So I would at least like to like I would like to see him get a full spring in there get him a spring game, get him a real off season where he doesn't have to quarantine. And I feel like he's, he's got a shot. Interesting. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely going to be open. They're definitely going to give all these guys a chance. And I thought that was goalish. I thought was honestly more open than you see most coaches talking about things. He said, they're not really going to have a fill, you know, great fill for things out of spring practice. This is going to be a, six-month deal where they get to know these quarterbacks they get to know what they do and then they'll they'll make it to sound like they'll make a decision pretty late on who's starting i what he did say i mean he didn't say explicitly that he has to have a running quarterback he said that you know they've played with different styles that's something he liked about heifel is that heifel has been able to have success with different guys at quarterback but it did to me sound like he'd like to have a running quarterback that that would make things easier on him so that's obviously a point against harrison bailey to both Hinden hooker and Caden Salter have going in their favor. And, and like we said, we've talked about on here before, with the question marks at offensive line, I think that could be very important next season to have a little bit of mobility at quarterback. Yeah, I am um, excited to see it play out. And I think they're going to, I think it'll be important to just have a full offseason and see what, uh, what it all looks like. But um, I don't know. I think uh, 
it will be interesting to see nonetheless. David, what uh, can we check out from you this week at WBIR? Uh, well, we've got a lot of high school basketball coming up. We've got district district uh, championships, district tournaments that are going to turn into regional tournaments. Um, so with all that, you, of course, we've got a few more Tennessee basketball games, both balls and lady balls, but also that baseball season starts today. Um, so it's, you know, finally baseball time. We've got some softball starting as well. So, I mean, there, there's a lot, of, a lot of good Tennessee sports going on. Um, and for me, I love when the – softball season baseball season starts because even as a journalist going to a baseball game going to a softball game it's just a few hours to just relax and just be at the ballpark and um just kind of just just enjoy the atmosphere and then at the end of it you're like oh, okay well i gotta get to work now but and in the in the few hours that you're there you're just at the ballpark enjoying yourself so um nothing nothing really beats that absolutely ryan what about you yeah, like David was saying, baseball season starting this week. Uh, had a pair of previews on VolQuest.com uh, today and yesterday on the hitting and pitching. So all you need to know on the Vols entering the season. And then over at Daily Beacon, we have an incredibly busy weekend of Tennessee sports, Tennessee basketball, women's basketball, softball, baseball, volleyball, and soccer all in action this weekend. We'll have coverage of all of those games. So. Stay tuned, and we'll have uh, everything you need on Tennessee's very, very busy athletic weekend. Absolutely. Go check it out. Um, I think we're playing. I think it's ESPN Plus tonight, um, so you can watch Georgia Southern uh, Tennessee on that at 7 o'clock. Um, that's disgusting. Beat say it again. Southern. I don't, care who's playing, I don't care who's playing Southern, just beat them. <laughs> Southern, not State. Is, Southern, I, just be, it, it, is that a real rivalry now? I can't stand them. Real rivalry, man. That rivalry is more brutal. The only rivalry I can I can liken that to. You're fired up about this. Is, I like is this. Falcons is Falcon Saints. That's the only one. Okay, let's calm it down. It's not Falcon Saints. Georgia State and Georgia it Southern is, is not Falcon Saints. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Reason, here's here's why. Here's why. Here's why. Uh-huh. It's not. It's not just you, you're looking at the on field stuff. It's not just on field stuff. It's the jokes on social media. It's the mm-hmm. constant jabs. It's the constant jeering. It is. It's like the personal, like those personal things behind everything there. Like the pettiness and the rivalry is the reason why. Mm-hmm. And and that's why and that's why it's like that. And and it's like that with any sport. So Falcon thinks is obviously just that's that's, that's just football. Mm-hmm. But literally, I don't care if it's a spelling bee. I want Georgia, I want Georgia State to beat Georgia Southern because I want to be able to say Georgia Southern can't spell. Like, if it's swimming, I want to say Georgia Southern can't swim. You know, it's not just, oh, we beat you in football, we beat you in basketball. Dude, no. If it's a, if it's a Connect Four tournament, I want Georgia State to beat Georgia Southern. Like, that's how, that is how personal it is. Oh and there goodness. are always going to be jokes. There's always going to be jeering, just like it's just like Falcons versus Saints. If if you're a part of that community on Twitter, it's it's when the seasons aren't even playing. Like you're not even in season, they're still going. Falcons players are, are not players. Fans and Saints fans go at it every day. It is after the Super Bowl, and they're still going at it. Mind you, neither of those teams made the Super Bowl, <laughs> so it's 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 for real, man. And that's that that's that's why I say it's the only one that I can compare it to. But that's because I'm a part of that one as well. You know, I, I kind of look at the other ones and I'm like, well, you know, Georgia, Florida, you know, that, that's kind of a big one. Maybe in, in, in football, 
I don't really know so much about basketball, but definitely in football. But even if it's, you know, whatever sport, soccer, if it's soccer, if it's baseball, if it's softball, um, women's basketball, like I said, spelling bee, that rivalry is for real. Incredible. Did not expect to wrap up on this note. Just to, the putting over Georgia State, Georgia Southern on this podcast. I love it. Um, all right, man. Well, this has been great. I appreciate it as always, guys. Uh, we will talk again next week. All right. Yeah, for sure. It, Sounds man. good. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.